0: are you doing here what on earth are you doing here right now mikey beats start
1: i uh you know i'm a responsible man and uh, when i have commitments i hold my end up by the bargain up
0: yeah, apparently not that's a good point wow okay so you are on the clock you're on the clock you're gonna have your second kid any second now
1: right And when one of our listeners, all two of them, hear this, uh, it'll
0: have already happened. Maybe. If it hasn't happened now, there's no guarantees. I've done this before. Oh, yeah. I've had, you know, there are pitchers in the major leagues who have refused to start the game because of this very circumstance.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, like I said, I'm a dedicated individual. What is your second daughter's name going to be? Summer Lynn Beltran. What is the hospital?
0: Oh. Sharp Mary Birch. <laughs> what a great recovery, because that was about to be super bad. <laughs> that was about to be Gary Johnson level. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, I can't believe you're here. You're super on the clock. You're going to have your kid any second now. You had to. What kind of promises did you have to make to your wife to get here at all? To be looking at
1: my phone and having my phone within reaching distance. The entire time that we record
0: this podcast. So like if you have, is it on silent? Did you put it on silent? Oh, it is not on silent. It's always, it's going to ring and it's going to be loud. If our four listeners hear a phone
1: ring, then that's what that means. Did we just increase our listener rate by 100%? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a hopeful person. Well, all right. Yeah. So all eight of our listeners uh, will be witness to uh, me running out of here and I don't run for anything. For those of you that know me, I'm fat. What's
0: the last week been like? (sighs) <sighs>
1: waiting, waiting. Well, okay. So, so a week ago I had a, um, a, an event for Toyota Canada in Palm Springs. Um, it was a block party, um, corporate event and you know, I'm a corporate event DJ too. And, um, so I had to make a lot of arrangements to go out to Palm Springs. Um, when my wife would be due one week from that date, as anyone who's ever had a kid before waiting for a kid, they know it comes anytime. So, uh, you know, I, that, that was a week ago today. Um, Two days later, I had a wedding in San Clemente, um, where I also had to make specific arrangements to be able to get myself back down to San Diego as quickly as possible, just in case my wife had the kid.
0: That's a lot of arrangements. It's a lot of arrangements, yes. So, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, uh, you live on, (laughs) you're on Mission Boulevard. You live on Mission Boulevard. Too much information, I know. But come on. That's all right. Right down the street from you is a Denny's. Yes. So 24-7 at Denny's, you can stroll in and get turkey. <laughs> this is every single parenting couple knows this. You put some turkey in there and the baby comes out. The, the tryptophan from the turkey
1: triggers the uh, melatonin and, um, and out comes the baby in the baby carriage. Yes. Well, she's been eating pineapples. She's been eating plums. No, not plums. Prunes. Not prunes. What are those? Uh, dates. Yeah, dates. They're all the same to me. Um, cookie butter ice cream. Um, I'm about to stick a freaking plunger in there. Speaking, <laughs> of, speaking of plunger, um, we go to the doctor and, you know, we're at the OGBYN or OPP or what is that? Uh, I don't know what, the, what the, those big words are of those doctors that, you know, take care of a pregnant woman. And, uh, you know, my wife, this is just yesterday and, you know, we're T minus two days until the baby's due. And my wife's in the stirrups and, you know, she's like, Hey, uh, the doctor's like, are you ready? And she's like, yeah. So she, you know, sticks it in there and she doesn't get a freaking nail deep
0: and she's like, Oh, there's summer.
1: There's, there's, <laughs> there's your daughter's <laughs> summer. Yes. Um, she's ready to go four centimeters. And I'm just like, okay, well it's right there. Well then she goes and tells like looks at me and she says, Well, let's get this thing out of here. You gotta go home and have sex. And I'm What? I'm deer in headlights.
0: (laughs) That's a lot of pressure right there. You
1: know, I'm I am not a well hung man, but I'll tell you I'm more hung than a fingernail. So I gotta go home and 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 do the deed to get this thing out. (laughs) Not You ever shoot pool with a rope? <laughs> you're not. You're not getting anything in the hole. Um, you could do damage.
0: <laughs> I it, don't want to do damage. It could all go wrong. It could all go wrong. Why are? Why is your wife not thinking about that? Why is your wife saying the exact opposite? Because she has an innie and not an outie. And, uh, it's, (laughs) this is why you go to Denny's. This is why you go to Denny's right Dad? every day, every day until it's done. Turkey. Okay. I'm bringing home a turkey dinner. That, that is good advice. But, uh, what what did you say about dimples? (laughs) I said, where did dimples come from? And that's exactly why you refrain from the activity. Yes. So that is, daddy, where did the dent come from? Yeah. Oh, sorry,
1: honey. So make a long story short, that didn't work. I'm sorry, honey. I know you're definitely not listening to this because you're not one of 16 people <laughs> listening to this
0: podcast. <sighs> so, anything interesting happening at the happen at the uh, two DJ events that you did? Um,
1: my helper. Um, my, I don't want to call him my assistant. He's not my assistant. He works with me. The guy that uh, you know helps me load the stuff and set up stuff. He's he's a good buddy of mine. Um, the dude's got my back. Well, he gives me a call the night before. We're the night before we're going to Palm Springs. Okay, he gives me a call. He's like, "Hey, Mikey, what's what's going on?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Bro, are you lit? Like, what's your deal?" And he's like, "Yeah," and I'm like, well, <laughs> All right, cool. So you're gonna show up to work tomorrow? He's like, Yeah. I'm like, Well, what do you want? He's like, Dude, I did too much acid. Who does that anymore? Uh, hippies? I don't know, man. And and he, you know, again, this is the night before. And I'm like, Okay, well, you know, it's Wednesday night. I'm like, Well, when did you do it? And he said, Monday. <laughs> Monday. Monday. This is a true story. I can't make this stuff up. He says Monday. He takes this acid, and it's freaking Wednesday night. Hasn't gone to sleep, and still tripping balls. Two things. One, give me the number to your hookup. <laughs> Two, are you showing up to work tomorrow? So we, he did, and you know we, we we did everything we needed to do, and it was good. So everything turned out. Except well. Except he kept wandering off into the garden. You know, driving out to Palm Springs when you hit those those sol- what are those? Not the, the giant fans. What do they call those things? The wind. Uh, wind farm. Wind farm. When you hit that wind farm, and you're there at night and you see these bright lights, he was really into that.
0: <laughs> As I would
1: hope he would be. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we got out there. Every, we handled everything and then did the wedding and, uh, the wedding was good. Um, interesting, interesting thing at the wedding. uh, You know, I'm doing my thing. I'm in San Clemente. It's um, at the Historic Cottage in San Clemente. And if you've ever been there, it's right on the Bluffs. Beautiful, 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 beautiful place. Uh, You know, so I start DJing. I'm doing my thing. A lot of white people at the wedding, you know. So I take a generational approach, meaning I play older music first and get more contemporaries. And night goes on. On the playlist, there was a lot of hip hop. So I was about to get into my hip hop set. And this brother rolls up to me. And he's like, yo, man, uh, you, do you take requests? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I take requests. Sure, sure. What do, you, what, do you, what do you want to hear? He's like, yo, man, can you play me some Drake? I'm like, no problem. You know, I like Drake. Drake's got some danceable stuff. As uh, Freddie said, he is a little uh, depressing. He, he's always singing about losing a lover or something like that. But anyway, so he says, okay, I'm a man. Play, play, play me some Drake. And I'm like, sure. And then he's like, hold up, hold up. I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, hey, humor me real quick. And I say, okay, I'll humor you. Um, what, do you what do you want me to do? And he's like, close your eyes. And I'm like, man, I'm 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 working. I come on. He's like, no, 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 just just close your eyes. Humor me. I'm like, all right, cool. So I close my eyes, and then he's like, all right, just think. Everybody out here, they're all black people. What would you play? And I'm like, shit, man, Luther Vandross. <laughs> and he uh, agreed. You're, you're such a sport for doing that. <laughs> Hey, I feel it. Uh, he, he agreed and I played the game. But that's not the
0: answer he was looking for.
1: No, he was looking for me to say Drake or Lil Wayne or um, you know, I don't know, whoever Nicki Minaj or something like that. And that's not how old am I? On.
0: What were the suggestions? When you told me that story in, in rehearsal, you told me that story. What were the suggestions you were getting out of me? Ohio players. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lakeside. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, yeah. Now if you <laughs> if you walked up
1: looking for Hey, do you take requests? Oh, I'm expecting to hear ACDC, uh, Rolling Stones, um, <laughs> all that classic white rock. Hey, can you play something we could dance to? Well, what, what do you dance to? You too?
0: <laughs> Anything that Molly Ringwald danced to in any John Hughes movie. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. That'd be great, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's what I want to hear. So... I don't know how I follow any of that. That is such good stuff. You're on the clock and you're still DJing and you're out in Palm Springs. Like, how are you going to get back? Your, your, your plan involved a car on the highway? Uh, well, don't you? Or did you have a helicopter? Uh, yeah, I wish I had a helicopter.
1: Um, no, and, and obviously the guy on acid wasn't going to drive me back. So um, I actually hired a, another DJ for the day to go out there and stand with me.
0: I'm so old. <laughs> I remember when acid was a real thing. And I remember when no one knew what meth was. Wow. That is old. I know. It's, I mean, if you're generally aware of drug culture and you've been on the planet for like 135 years like I have, yeah, that, those are the crazy anomalies. I, I um, definitely saw some um, interesting insights into what the DEA was thinking in 1968 when acid was still legal. And uh, they were sending newsletters amongst themselves as to what to look for. Hey, there's this thing. It's so small. We can't police it. It comes out on little tiny dots of paper. And we have no idea what's in it and what people will do once they have it. But we ke- and they kept showing each other pictures of people in San Francisco running around naked and jumping off buildings and doing all kinds of really atrocious stuff. Because no one in 68, it was like an epidemic, like polio or something along those lines. They had no idea where it was coming from, what was going to be next. And there's always the same sort of whatever it is, 40, 50 years later, it's the same general vibe. Cops are culturally about 10 years behind the culture they're trying to prevent. So they're watching the entire thing and it seems like a horror movie to them. And the people that are immersed in it are in over their head and making reckless decisions and it's all going bad. But the, the where I'm getting to on this is that there was an internal DEA newsletter and they were sending it all through every police department and every um, municipality and every mayor. Hey, we've got a problem. And there's an episode of Dragnet Where they're talking about, God, we just need to get the law passed to make acid illegal because everyone's taking it. We can't arrest anyone for it. And it's all going wrong. Whoa. Dragnet. (laughs) Taking it back. Dragnet. I mean, the guys in Dragnet, when you see the old black and white, it was a black and white TV show, right? Uh, When you see the pictures, one of the guys in Dragnet is already old. Right? right, He would have been a hundred and thirty about now. You are taking it back, yeah, Seriously, dude, you were old. No, I'm really old. But um, so when your guys when your guys immersing in the uh, histrionics of acid here in 2016, that's amazing. That's where it came from. I'm a, I'm always kind of um, surprised at the fact that it sort of went away. It, it was so hard to police, but. What they were doing was they were throwing the book at anyone who even touched the stuff. And there's all these stories about these guys who were in prison for 50 years. And they had like, whatever, 5 million hits of acid on them or something like that. Right. But they made it super sketchy to be anywhere uh, in close contact with the thing or they they basically put you in prison for life. Because they were so scared. I do know it had a
1: resurgence in the 90s, early 2000s. And then 9/11 hit and it completely disappeared again. You couldn't find it for many years. <laughs> and then really Sounds like you were trying. Well, I've got friends. And <laughs> and 5 years ago, I think it was or 6 years ago, um I think I had to do the Patriot Act and I think certain parts of it um though they didn't resign that, that those parts of the Patriot Act
0: and then here's acid again. So Can you imagine Just take the old and the new and put them together for a second. Here we are. It's going to be October at the end of the week, and so the days are getting shorter. And what happens in California when the days are getting shorter? These garden spiders come out. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Every California uh, walk that's lined with bushes becomes a horror movie. I hate it. You, so you, if you are done with your DJ gig, oh my goodness, I finally got out of here. It's no. three in the morning and I've got to figure out where I'm going to park my car and then I'm going to go through. I don't like Oh, it. I, I'm going to go through this one garden spot, through this one gate and get oh. to my apart, my apartment and then, oh my goodness, what's that on my face? Oh,
1: don't even. I hate this
0: a lot. <laughs> I don't even like thinking about it. I. Mm. Because they're true. everywhere. I went, I went out in the middle of the morning <sighs> two weeks ago, uh, out a simple gate uh, that I go through every mm, day. No. And right there, right at nose level, are two three inch across giant garden spiders. Oh, and they're fucking. Ugh. And so this is just uh, the last two or three weeks, the entire city's <sighs> crawling with these things, right? And there I, I learned a little bit um, <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I learned a little bit on the way here because I'm fascinated by it and I really wanted to talk about it um, they're invasive uh, one species came from Europe, another species came from South America, but they found us they have found us and they have set up shop and if you go anywhere. Where there's trees or bushes that are taller than you around, you are going to come <sighs> face to face with these guys if you're not super careful, especially in the dark. So now let's cut to your friend. <sighs> and your friend, still high on acid from five days ago, is just walking down the sidewalk. What happens? Oh. I mean, that's got to just it, – does it accentuate the uh, acid experience when you run into a three-inch spider right at nose level? Well, he probably saw
1: Charlotte, and she probably discussed Nietzsche with him or something. <laughs> I don't
0: know what any of that means. But, yeah. I hope – yeah. I, I hope it worked out well. I just – I can't get over the two things. Like that, I don't recall any of those kinds of experiences whatsoever back in my day, as a friend told me. But – um. <laughs> These days, I'm like, what happens if you confront one of those things? Like, how would you ever not get that out of your head?
1: No bueno, dude. I was actually moving a tent the other day from my garage into a vehicle and a big black spider was on the freaking thing. I'm a large mammal and arachnids just don't do it for me at all. It just it just I, I itch right now talking about it. And I don't do this very often, but I like to talk about something
0: else because I itch like crazy right now. Good. I'm not going to let you. I got a couple more things (laughs) and we'll be done. A guy named Jim uh, Henneman, uh, he was the guitar player for Slayer, stuck his hand in something, got bit by something, and then, yeah, just didn't think about it. Like, oh, that sucks. 47 years old. uh, And his wife was in the papers after he died saying, yeah, he just wouldn't go to the hospital. But sure enough, just stuck his hand in the wrong spot in the state of California. There goes the spider. There goes the bite. And his hands, his whole arm swelled up. Oh, it and, turned black. brown. And, that's probably a
1: brown recluse.
0: Yeah, probably. In fact, I, I kind of vaguely remember that it was. But yeah. there was a, there's a debate. Check our story. We don't have the facts. But we, you know the guy died. It was a really bad time in the music business. People were really sad about it. But it, it came from that. And I mean, oh. you know, we've all got those... Uh, when I when I first moved back to California after spending an awful lot of time abroad, I came back and the first thing I recognized when I'm in the in the state is there are black widows here. Mhm. And you will never forget the first time you the encounter them, but you don't have time because you're going to see them over and over and over Ugh, again. Stop.
1: I am looking for a house right now, and I go in these old garages and just think about what little creepy crawlies are in the corner with little red hourglasses on their bellies, and I really don't
0: like this. (laughs) I itch everywhere. Anyway, all right, I will go on. Okay. I, I, I'm super sorry about that. I don't. I don't mean Just to take you to the, the 32
1: trenches. people that are listening to this right now, sitting in their cars, are seriously feeling spiders on them. So
0: we're fascinated. Uh, my whole family's fascinated. We try to make light of the whole thing. We, you know, they're, they've all got um, all my kids have their favorite stories of like, hey, here's the worst thing that could happen. You know, one of my kids thinks he's gonna unfortunately for him have walked through one of those webs not realized he was doing it and have the spider just attached to his back and he's going to go through his entire day in elementary school <sighs> with a giant foreign spider on his back and no one wanted to tell him about it because they didn't want to be too scared and have a panic attack and it's halloween
1: season and that is that is popular garb and not to mention the epi pens are so expensive now so if someone has an allergic reaction right
0: thank you myelin <laughs> those guys <laughs> And the other, the other thing that I wanted to talk about, um, just out of a fascination for mortality, is uh, this week is the 38th anniversary of the um, PSA flight that fell apart over the skies of North Park. Oh, yeah. Terrible tragedy. And uh, did you live in town during that? that
1: what, mm, wait, what, what year was that? I think I was born in 79.
0: Oh, wow. What year was that? Uh, right in there somewhere.
1: Uh, I think I was still a sperm in my dad's
0: nutsack. Um, anyway, yeah, so 38, so right in there. So it's if it's, if it's the 38th anniversary... So 78, it must have been 78. There you I, go. I can't count that high. Anyway, uh, right as you get off of the freeway from the 805 to go to where everyone now goes to what we were talking about last week, um, PB2, which is North Park, Um so if you were, instead of making that right to go up to university off of the 805, you made a left, you'd be right where that plane came down.
1: Oh, wow. Now, didn't it hit a uh, small Cessna or wasn't it two planes colliding or something?
0: Yeah, it, It's a super interesting story. The um, There wasn't one pilot in the cockpit. There were four. Whoa. There was, in those days, they carried three pilots, but there's a jump seat and the jump seat had a... Fourth And from what I understand from the cockpit voice recorder, the fourth pilot was heckling him a little bit, like, "Uh, are you sure you got this? Um, And what wound up happening is the PSA flight actually hit the Cessna from behind at the wing and uh, had lost sight of him and didn't see him. And, you know, in those days, the Cessna was practicing landings at Lindbergh. Huh? They don't do that anymore, right? For obvious reasons. There's one single engine propeller plane that comes in all the time uh, at Lindbergh, and it's a FedEx plane, and it's super pro, and it's in the lineup. But in those days, they were st- it was still sort of a civil aviation free for all, where if you wanted to go land over there, just go land over there, try to stay out of the way of the jets, and that ended all that. Wow. It's tragedy. So, yeah. And at the time, um, 144 people was the single worst aviation accident in American records. And, you know, eight people on the ground, 136 um, crew and everything on the plane. And um, I worked at the Union Tribune for a while, right out of college for the first five years. It was my first job out of school. Um, and they had won a Pulitzer Prize for um, their coverage of that, and obviously it was a national story. But it was a national story because San Diego, for very unfortunate reasons, had taken on the spotlight, and um, you know they had proven their bona fides by you know having full coverage of everything that went on, so everyone knew and were you know finding closure and getting comfort out of like understanding what happened. Right. Um, so lining the walls at the Eden Tribune when I got there were just all of the pictures that they had taken. And you can't unsee that. Right. You know, in the blocks that were gone. And we we recently had a bit of a recurrence when one of the jets from Miramar took out a block in University City.
1: That happened by my sister-in-law's house at the time.
0: Right. Like, it was like two blocks away. And I mean... Either one of these things, just you you can't fathom, you you got no control. If you're the eight people on the ground or the two people on the ground in University City, that's it. They've just called your number. Yeah. But you can't also not think about it. When I lived in L.A., I lived in um, Mar Vista, which is just on the other side of Venice, real close to the ocean, great spot to live. But you're right in the flight path and the planes are really big. You know, they've got the Dreamliner, they've got the Qantas A380 that's double-deckers, and these just giant monoliths are coming over your house all the time and turning around and going into LAX. and Gnarly. It's a very wonderful industry with high safety standards where accidents rarely, rarely, rarely occur. But when they do occur, they it's just an other world. It turns wherever you're at into Mars.
1: If this doesn't lead into... Sully the movie, I don't know what else is. Because I just saw that. And Tom Hanks was wonderful in it. It's his standard character. It's Tom Hanks, you know, an old Tom Hanks guy. It was really good. You know, we all know what the outcome was. But those those times when they're sitting in the cockpit, the, the cockpit, hmm. uh, or, or the passengers, you're really there. And you really feel that paranoia and that, that just, just ridiculous feeling that we all, you know, we all... You know, when you get on a plane, you, you you kind of feel like it, like it, like oh, what ha- what would happen? And but these people are going through it, and you feel it. So they they did a wonderful job with Sully. I give it two thumbs up myself. Um, because added I, a how many? Just out of two thumbs? I have, only have two right now. All right, good. I got two more on the way, but um, but the, I, I I was really into Sully. Now now that, that was a PSA flight, right? Was it right. PSA? Right. Um, at uh in North Park. Right. Right. I first uh, got introduced to that, that tragedy as a kid watching Faces of Death because they had that footage in Faces of Death. Do you you ever see Faces of Death?
0: I, I didn't. Oh, you don't know what Faces of Death is. I do know exactly what it is. I was careful not to watch it.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I had an older siblings, so. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, that and I was a little. Watch this. I was, a little, I was a little weird when I was a kid. Still am. But, um, but yeah, it was in Faces of Death, and, and the footage was absolutely terrible. So I, I feel for anyone that lived through that, um, anyone that had to see any of that, and I can't imagine walking through the UT or the Union Tribune, or back then it might have been the Union or the Tribune, uh, I can imagine walking through those halls and seeing the, these pictures and I just wow
0: it's just the week of and so they're doing all of the retrospectives oh. and I am for whatever reason and I don't know what it is and maybe it's the advent of Facebook but we were talking a lot um, about Jeron Irby last time and um, about who uh, the guy who got hit on Garnett oh that's right and I am completely attracted to all of these, you know, tragic stories that come up. And so when they come up, I, I tend to go down the rabbit hole and follow them along. I'm, and that was one of them. And this is another one. and You can't imagine being there, being part of it. Uh, the cockpit voice recorder, the last thing that the person said, or they don't know which person, but was, Mom, I love you. Oh, And it's now in a couple of... Um, List one of the 10 most tragic recorded pieces there is, right? You know, where people know that their death is imminent, and what do they say right then? And you know, they have the one from the Concorde in Paris. Um, that's uh, too late, that's it. Oh, that's what the pilot said last recording.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: Yeah, we crazy, go from, crazy stuff. We go from
1: spiders to this. I want to kill myself right now. Don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> oh, I can't. I got to wait. My t-
0: wife's going to call me with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are, uh, those are just the things, the, the things that surround you, and you, you, you want to um, try to understand them and be thankful for what you got. You know, you, you only think about these things, and it gives you a super important context because everything else is pretty shiny in comparison right you know you're, you're about to have a kid you guys are going to go the other way you're going to go way into the bright light of life and not have to worry about this stuff but you know what propels you so far is realizing yeah it's precious it's minute and um you know we were talking about the the thing last week you know it doesn't matter you could be in a plane crash if it goes down you're, you're done uh, but yeah, don't get hit by a car either because you're going to be different for the rest of your life. Right. Right? So, yeah, be careful out there. But most of us avoid all of that stuff just generally by being conscious of what it all means.
1: Yeah, or just sitting at home playing, uh, wow.
0: <laughs> you, um, you have a hard time. I used to think about this stuff all the time, but I used to just think about it. But now you have a hard time avoiding any of it because now, like, the Smithsonian Channel has great air crashes of history. <laughs> like, if you were trying to not be a morbid individual. Those they, get me every time. <laughs> every time they get me. I mean, it, it's not just that. I mean, that's just the thing we're talking about. But then there's a the whole other, like, unsolved uh, domestic murders of all time. We, yeah, where the lady or, was. Or Dateline. Yeah. <laughs> The lady was uh, given uh, the husband the laced Gatorade. With cyanide. Right. Yeah. 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 God, I love Gatorade, but why am I dying? Oh my gosh, Gatorade. That reminds me of. Never mind.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we already talked about acid. I'm not going to talk about the other stuff.
0: Yeah, uh, i not going to talk about what other stuff? Uh, uh, never mind. Yeah, never mind. So, if I was ever fascinated by any one thing on the planet, it's. A documentary I saw on Vice where uh, these guys in London, they do nothing but steal things using credit card fraud. Their entire livelihood. They wake up in the morning and they spend eight hours a day figuring out how to steal stuff by paying for things on other people's credit cards and then selling it for cash. Hmm. So, it's easy to say, well, that was on Vice, and that's really cute, and that was in London. But do you honestly think that every city doesn't have at least some element of... People just have decided, I'm not going to work for a living. It is too easy to simply live on the grift.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude, you ever see that... uh, that it's like a YouTube video, or whatever it is, about that ATM machine where the guy fixes a credit card reader onto it, right? Then he slips his card, and then boom, it's gone. Like all your information,
0: everything. Right, and you, I mean, just this week, uh, I was seeing notes on uh, Nextdoor about people who had rung one thing on at one Seven Eleven and the next thing you know their card a swipe was occurring all over town like that's here that's san diego that's adjacent to us and they did one transaction at a 711 and the next thing you know their credit card seemingly was the most generous credit card in all of san diego california
1: and at the same time in multiple locations
0: i, I mean i I don't understand it. It's just too easy for us to think, oh, that's just people in uh, the former Yugoslavia. That's just people in Ghana.
1: That's people next to you with a credit card reading machine just pulling the information from your pocket.
0: Well, plus, I mean, J-1 visas, the entire world is here in San Diego at this point. So all that technology has, you know, been imported. So you really could just, you know, you know whatever you learned when you were back in Ghana— Or whatever you learned in Ramona. I mean, I don't want to isolate people who come from other lands. We're all capable of the grift. But there are people that just have made the same choice in life that the the documentary subjects had made. I don't want to work. I don't want to get up and work for the man. It seems like it's going to sort of rip me off at some level. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm going to see... Who can I steal from? And I've got my preferred method. I don't want to steal bikes, although that happens here. Um, I would like to just figure out how to get people's credit card information, figure out how to buy stuff on it, figure out how to sell that stuff. And then I need to make, I guess, around $400 or so a day. And every once in a while, I'll hit a really big one and I'll make five grand. So they're working, just not legally. That's their job. Well, at some level... If you had to have job satisfaction and you're a big fan of the movie Office Space, you know, there's some satisfaction in that. Like, hey, I'm sorry. Um, I don't want to go and work at Qualcomm and hope that I wind up with benefits when I'm 62. I'm just going to go steal some stuff every day for a little while and make my own rules and make my own fate. That's a, how how different is that from like every rap that Biggie ever had?
1: Right, right. It's just another way. Now, what do you call it? A grift? Yeah, the Grifters.
0: You don't know about the Grifters? Uh, apparently not. It's a movie, huh? Uh, John Cusack, uh, Angelica Houston. Uh, I love set. John and why why this is important to us? Set at uh, at some part of it is set at the Del Maris Track.
1: The Grifters.
0: Right. Big-time, you know, sort of big-time movie, I guess. a lot. I mean, I actually had this conversation less than two weeks ago and brought it up to somebody else, and they had that same confused look on their face that you do right now. Yeah, Like, I don't even know what that word means, and you're telling me there's a whole movie and it's based out of San Diego? Well, as we always say on this podcast, FYA, um, we um, will put links all over the place so you can follow along with the conversation. You don't have to just wonder what we're talking about and... (sighs) Uh, as you saw from the last podcast, uh, there was about 50 links, and we, we had the really great experience of seeing the slow-mo movie. Oh, yeah. Was, that was a big part of the links, and then I, I showed the movie to my family, the whole time. I can't wait for you to get him as a guest.
1: I will get him in here, definitely. Now, back to the Grifters. I thought that was like a 50s rock band that did Under the Boardwalk.
0: That's the Drifters. Oh, okay. You see how I can confuse the two. I don't know. I don't know. What boardwalk were they talking about? I imagine it was at the Jersey Shore. Was it? Yeah, possibly. Was that the right band with the right
1: song? Anyway, Grifters, John Cusack, Gotta See It, people stealing my credit
0: card. That was in the old world, though. That was like a James Bond movie of Grift. Like, I will put the $100 bill in the book, and then you will take the book, and then we'll have the $100, and then we'll split it. Like, that's the old world where the diamonds are, or whatever. This is a new world where just get... The camera where you can take a picture of the credit card, get a picture of the credit card, and then we'll go on Amazon Prime and send seven Maseratis to Yug- Yugoslavia. Right. That, that's the new thing.
1: Or like the giant bottle of lube with the freaking pump, the like, fist pump thing. <laughs> like the Astroglide. what is it, 64 ounces? Not, I mean, I'm just kidding.
0: I'm so old, I have <sighs> got to remember that there's no more Yugoslavia. Oh, what is that now? Bosnia-Herzegovina? That's one of them, Montenegro, oh. Serbia. There's a, in, in apparently one of your new um, neighborhoods, uh, there is a great Serbian Orthodox church. In Linda Vista? It's in Bay Park. Bay Park. Right, right up the hill. Really? That's interesting. When
1: I was house hunting in Linda Vista, right there on uh, Alcala Drive behind USD, there was a Jehovah's Witness church on Linda Vista. And there was a pardon me if I don't pronounce this religion correctly, but it was like Bali or something like that that has like 300 million followers worldwide. I never knew what it was. It's basically a religion where they believe in um, like every single religion's God is just uh, a different manifestation of the same God. It's all they're all one God. But this is a religion that believes in one God, but doesn't believe in uh, voting rights for women.
0: Sounds like Linda Vista to me. Oh my God, is my wife pregnant? Oh. Nope. Nope. False alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be uh, segregationist in any way, but I mean, I definitely, that, that's where all my reggae flyers go. That's the, that's the hotbed of reggae in town. Where? At, at Jehovah's Witness? No, Linda Vista. Linda for Vista. For that very reason. It's like one of the most wonderful neighborhoods. We go to the farmer's market. We go everywhere. We love the neighborhood.
1: Oh, you, you hang out at the Viet Dong parking lot? Oh, hell yeah.
0: The Vien Dung. Right. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And it's a, one of the best places to get gas for your car. I didn't know that. Yeah. It keeps going, too. And it has it houses the um, BMX park for kids. I mean, Linda Vista has a lot of everything. You know what they don't
1: have is good educational programs. The school what? district.
0: is terrible. Are you kidding? Francis Parker is there.
1: Well, Francis Parker, but I don't want to pay $38,000 a year to send my girls to school.
0: Scholarship.
1: Oh. Well. I can work on that i know i mean hey you got connections in the city at this point right you know i got yeah i got connections everywhere that's just a little difficult but we were looking at a property right there behind USD and that was that was a school district and i don't understand why is you know Montgomery Middle and Kearney why are those tests so low you know why why is that any different from Bay Park Elementary, Marson Middle School in Claremont, or or PB Middle Mission Bay. I don't understand why the San Diego Unified School Districts and all school districts aren't the same.
0: I'll tell you, number one, I get to start from the most positive thing. Um, thank God you care so much that you're paying attention right now as your second child is crowning. <laughs> Like, hey, what are the junior high schools like in the neighborhood? I'd like to buy a house. That's the most awesome thing in the world. But then there's a short answer. The short answer, is, it's not San Diego Unified School District's responsibility to provide an equal education throughout their schools. It's the neighborhoods themselves and the community of parents that create those different atmospheres. It's the summation of parental intent by school district that creates those results. Oh. And if you don't get that, and if you continue to blame a school district for the results in your neighborhood, you're missing probably 80. This is, this is the 80-20 rule, incarnate. Right. Now, the 20% is what gets complained about the most. No doubt about it. The 20% is, are they laying off teachers? Is there equal funding? Are they bussing kids somehow or another? What does their free lunch program look like? Uh, and that is really important but it's missing the fundamental point it is the collective and aggregate intent of the parents that drives the results of the school
1: wow see this is knowledge for me and i i totally admit when i don't know about something and and as as right now as i'm looking for property to buy property and trying to be forward thinking. This is something I didn't consider because a very large portion of Linda Vista, as you know, as you go up Linda Vista, you know, I grew up at the base of Linda Vista there in Bay park underneath USD. Um, and you know, we call Linda Vista road, the Ho Chi Minh trail, not being racist, just being real. I mean, tons of Vietnamese, Laotians, Thais moved to Linda Vista, you know, after they left their, their homelands, you know, was it the mid seventies and whatnot after all the wars? Um, so there's an intense concentration there, of you know, of, of parents that just speak Vietnamese or just speak Thai, and their children are bilingual. So that actually makes sense that, you know, the, the parents can't give them the push that they, they need.
0: That's actually, to me, counterintuitive. Um, I think of uh, most of the uh, refugee populations that had come from, from Southeast Asia to be some of the more intense household structures that there were. Where they were, in fact, um, where the parable of the tiger mom had come from, uh, they, they were driving education as a fundamental facet of their family structure. And they were, so that part remains a mystery to me. I just don't think that that's the wide result set that you have in Linda Vista. You have uh, some of that, but you also have some of everything. And um, it's a very mixed neighborhood where you don't quite have complete family structure and don't have quite complete parental structure at the same level you have even in Claremont. Some of the schools in Claremont have turned into these, these hot pockets of absolute gold mine. And um, you know, to understand it, I don't live there. I can't ex- exactly explain it. But I know where it comes from and what the results look like, and that's where I would look first if I'm looking at how the school's results look like. It's, it's the neighborhood around it, and oh, that's where it's going to come is from.
1: That my wife? No, no, baby.
0: <laughs> now, Double false alarm.
1: You know, so so yeah. So we're, we're going around Linda Vista, and you know, there's a dividing line in Western uh, Linda Vista. As you're, you know, as you pass USD, um, you know, it, it starts getting pretty. For lack of a better word, ghetto up in there because I've I've been on those streets. Kramer's one of the streets up there, and you drive through those neighborhoods, and there are the chain link fences in the front yards with the bars on the windows, and you know all the, the family furniture and everything out in the the living room. And then you know if you go east of Glidden, it gets it gets like that. But then if you're west of Glidden. It's, you know, Alcala Knowles, an area. It's actually pretty nice, and you get some, you know, pretty decent views. It's just amazing that that street happens to be the dividing line.
0: Anybody with eyeballs can tell you that that zip code 92111 is one of the big next steps in gentrification. Has it's to be. No doubt about it. Has to be. And uh, you just go to the worst block and buy the house with the most land under it. And just sit and wait. The schools will come if they don't show up right when you like them. Uh, you wait. have the option of optioning to a different school and put them somewhere else. But it's what you make of it. And those there's a lot of can't miss. And you look at how the development of Claremont has um, started to really get momentum. And you'll see what's going to happen in Linda Vista. Right. In, I went to Claremont High School.
1: And you know you go over, you go up. You know we're right here. If you go up Arianne, when and turns into Jutland, you take Jutland up. You hit Idlewild. I mean, there's some serious white trash up in there, right? Like, like gnarly, like meth and you know whatever else they're doing. Um, pretty intense. And in the '90s, you know, I had friends that lived over there in those duplexes, and you know is it was, is it was, is it was pretty it's pretty gnarly. But now I start driving down these places, and gosh, these places are going for these flip homes are going for six hundred grand, six hundred fifty grand. For half a freaking duplex, you know, on that are sharing a plot of land. It's like, oh my goodness, like how did this change so much in you know twenty years and whatnot? It's like it's insane. I think you're right about Linda Vista too. I, I, you see, it's there. There There's certain cul-de-sacs I would go down, and mind you, I combed Linda Vista and Birdland right across, you know, the one sixty three there. And I went in every little nook and cranny, and you started hitting some of these cul-de-sacs and some of these views from out there. Mind you, it's Linda Vista. For uh, you bilinguals out there, you know what that means. There's some amazing views. in these cul-de-sacs, these houses are starting to look real, real nice. So I think you're right about that. I think Linda Vista is the next hot spot
0: for the real estate in San Diego. One of my friends, Carlos Cota, bought a house in Bay Park for $110,000 oh. um, from an old sailor who was retiring and wanted to like not have a house anymore. And it was a teardown, but it was on a big plot of land, and the big plot of land was on a hillside. And the hillside was sitting right up over Marina Boulevard, uh, you know, about block and a half up the hill. We just could see all the way out to Point Loma and the whole thing. Oh, my gosh. $110,000. And they did, like, one right. renovation, and they were suddenly in three-something, and they did another renovation, they were suddenly in eight-something. yeah. And, you know, that's, you know, the San Diego two-step incarnate. And you just got to be ready for that to happen. In in a lot of these neighborhoods, there's a lot of them. And I I think that one you were talking about, Idlewild, the stuff right above uh, Costco, um, that's definitely going to be next because it's two left turns in La Jolla Shores. Right. How on earth can that stay in the state that it's in right now? Right now, it seems like... Such a nutball place, so close to paradise. Right. It seems like it's almost pinned in. It's pinned in by the 52 and the 5 and Costco and all that stuff. And because it's sort of sequestered like that, they've gotten away with having, you know, with missing teeth for a second. And that's not going to last.
1: Right. We were just over on Gaylord Street, which is uh, in between, um, you know, you're you're looking at the 52 out at the backyard in between Regents and Genesee. And that was a flip house going for six hundred and fifty grand, And it just has this, it's three-bedroom, three-bath, single-family home. And I found out through my realtor that that place had originally sold for $505,000 cash for this just completely beat-down house. And then you just, you know, shine it up, make shit shine, and now they're selling for six fifty. I mean, this is just outrageous. Who can afford this stuff? It's insane. I mean, I'm out there affording it, but... It's just ridiculous to me. Where does where does this money come from? What's going to happen when you know all the all this you know the inventory comes back and all these expensive houses? Who's going to pay for
0: all this stuff? <laughs> um, you can't deny that a lot of the change that's coming is is income driven, which is a, it's a new language for San Diego, but it's inevitably here. Like there are people that are able to afford those things. Uh, a lot of it has to do with two income households. A lot of, them has, a lot of it has to do with the, the development of the professional sector in San Diego in a way that it wasn't really there before. We have a huge uh, uh, biogenetic growth sector. We have residual stuff from having three major colleges. We, there's, you know, we ha- actually have a defense economy that never went away. We thought we've been predicting it's doom forever. So now you've got these competing economies. And then you also add the fact that um, if you had to name the chipsets that were running most of the cell phones in North America, you've got to name two different Qualcomm chipsets. Right? Right. Hey, that is new stuff for San Diego, where you've got some economic crossroads where you've actually won. So... Yeah, there's going to be some people that can afford a $600,000 house. And if you ever really want to understand what is driving the economic price of lodging, house, real estate, whatever in San Diego, you might want to keep an eye on Santa Monica. You might want to keep an eye on um, not, not Manhattan Beach and not Beverly Hills and not West Hollywood, but uh, Long Beach and Santa Monica and Mar Vista and Culver City and those medium um uh communities just just you know part of the Los Angeles conversation but right. not exactly the Los Angeles conversation and those guys are about 185% of what San Diego is you so you can be in La Jolla thinking you're in Beverly Hills and you can go and try to buy a house in Santa Monica right now, and what would what one point eight million dollars in La Jolla would get you would cost you about three point two in Santa Monica.
1: That's madness. My my brother in law and my sister in law bought a house, I think it was two years ago, three years ago, Mar Vista up there, like you're talking about. I'm pretty sure they paid eight hundred and fifty, maybe nine hundred on the market right now, like one point one. Right.
0: Just a couple years ago. Proximity to an economic engine. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's this other thing, Um, you know, um, for a living, sometimes you and I, we do events and we're um, trying to figure out the science behind it. Uh, We want to sell more tickets to Oysterfest. We want to sell more tickets to whatever we're doing. And that seems great if we were operating in a vacuum. If we were in O'Fallon, Missouri, and we were going to have a pig roast, And, uh, hey, that'd be great. So who are we going to invite? Well, we'll invite everybody. And so who's going to come? Well, everybody's going to come. Why? Because there's not a single other thing to do. In O'Fallon, Missouri? Maybe. Maybe they're going to (laughs) have... Where did you get that? (laughs) Well, I used to live near there. That's a place? Yeah. I thought Missouri was a city. Missouri's a uh, state. It's a state. Right. Oh, shit. All right. Carry on. It's sorry, the show me state. They got St. Louis. They got Kansas City. Two football teams. Wait, oh, down to one. Wait, Kansas City is <laughs> Kansas. <laughs> Kansas City's in Missouri. Yeah, isn't that
1: awesome? What, right? Um, so, anyway, sorry, sorry, sorry. Brain, brain fart, pregnancy brain. Go ahead.
0: No, no, it's it's all good stuff. We're if you're in O'Fallon and you have a pig roast, uh, you chances are you get everyone to come unless NASCAR, right? because everyone would be there, or unless, you know, something similar, rodeo, whatever, all right? So, great. We're in San Diego. So, any weekend in San Diego, is there just one thing to do? No. Right. What was last weekend like? Here I am. I'm trying to sell tickets last weekend. I mean, what I do for a living. I want to sell tickets to all my stuff. I got. It's, it's great. I, I've been. I've seen this movie before, and it's it's amazingly difficult to swallow. It's just I can't believe it's that difficult. But we had the Miramar Air Show. Check. Right. We had the Adams Avenue Street Festival. Check. We had. Um, Giants Padres. Check. I mean, I could go on. We haven't even got to music yet, right? Well, so, you know, Adams a sure, but um every weekend from the fair until Halloween, Halloween. Yeah. It's it's like that. So what's going to happen this weekend? Oh, man. We have a uh, Cross Festival, Crossfest. Oh, uh Beach
1: Fest in Pacific Beach. Right? fashion week Oh, fashion week. That made a comeback. Uh, Chargers home game. Chargers home? That's right. I got to sell my tickets cuz they suck. Uh TwitchCon.
0: TwitchCon gaming festival.
1: Mhm.
0: Right. Who do what's, you- what's sustainable? And what's sustainable here? And like how many people are just completely checked out and they're like and uh surfing. <laughs> and <laughs> he, uh he tough did. mutter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Seriously. College games and
1: oh my. I don't. I don't know. I've never. There's been. I mean, you look at like Comic Con weekend and all the things that go on because during Comic Con and uh, I don't know if if there has ever been a weekend where it's just like okay, it's just too much. The
0: city just melts.
1: I, I've never. I've never seen it.
0: I um just see fractional everything that any any one of the things can can suck all the air out of the room um miramar gets astounding numbers for their air show they post whatever two hundred fifty thousand in eventual attendance over two days and it just it goes crazy i don't even know where they park all those people or how that all works um i tend to watch that thing from the uh, top of mount soledad works fine you know clear day but it's never just that. It's never just the fair. It's never just the horse races. There's right. there, there's not a weekend at this point that goes by that doesn't also add a beer festival. I was gonna say that, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't add any of like a myriad of other activities. And now we're in Oktoberfest land, and like every sub community of San Diego has an o- Oktoberfest now. Mm-hmm. And like North Park, you know PB2 has Rocktoberfest. Right. And just throws that in.
1: PB's Polish Fest over at the Polish Church over there on Grand Avenue.
0: Man, they must have the best sausage ever.
1: Uh, Kishka potato pancakes, my personal favorite. (laughs) I love it.
0: I don't know how to solve that problem. Um, I also don't know if we could even name every variable. But... It does seem like um, there's entrepreneurs at every edge of it trying to test the limits of it by trying to put another congregational activity um, on every single weekend where the sun's going to be here and the clouds are not. Right. Right, right. And they're never, ever going to stop. And it's like every economic class you've ever heard of, um, they won't stop until they get burned beyond all recognition, and then they'll stop right and i mean crossed started strong had a off year and now they're a leviathan they're now in the coachella land where they're going to sell out and they're going to keep selling out forever and that's it so that's now just like the miramar air show that they're thousand tickets out of the market you know i had a conversation with uh radio station this week about hey so what are you going to do when we run our big christmas show and i said well i'm gonna run spanish language programming of course you know we've all been trained now in the market to react because the city can't really sustain it i will add i did come from los angeles and los angeles is amazing in its impenetrability that you can have seven nights of adele at staples center and still sell tickets to sarah mclaughlin at ucla wow like it, it does LA. not make sense
1: and that's why i don't like la
0: 30 million over there 6 million over here you would think with whatever we are i don't know what it is this year sixth seventh eighth largest city in north america we'd still be able to have uh, an even-handed distribution of stuff and do whatever we wanted it just doesn't exist it, you Do too much one-way, whatever other events are out there are all, like, begging for change. Right. You know what we forgot
1: to mention last week? What? What was that thing that was going up? Um, Del Mar. Um, There's a festival in Del Mar last week. What was it called? I don't remember. Did you go? No. Maybe that's why you don't remember. I had a wedding.
0: I don't know. It was a Del Mar Fairgrounds. Hollow Notes played. Hall and Oates played at your wedding.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to get you to say it. We we forgot about Caboo. Did we get any attendance records? Did we set any? Did they set any attendance records? Did you hear anything about Caboo?
0: I know everything about it. Oh, dude, you're not going to share with the with the rest of us. I'll tell you whatever you'd like to know.
1: Um, well, we we have just a couple more minutes here. Um, do they sell out all
0: three days? Definitely not. Um, but hey, look. Um, Here's what you need to know if you need to know anything about how the festival ran. Thank you. um, They did marginal business on Friday and they did marginal business on Sunday, but they did a substantial business on uh, the Saturday, the Aerosmith Saturday. They had a big drawing act on the night and wound up getting up around 40,000 people for the first time in the festival experience. Um, And I think that is probably going to be their watershed moment and we'll see them next year. And they're going to try to add a second night where they have as good of numbers that um, if you look at what they did last year, they did um, very, very marginal numbers all three nights with big headliners and, you know, running upstream like we were talking about versus everything else that goes on in the city and all the options that all the consumers have and not really being in a destination festival. Um, so this year, they had a good night, one good night, and so they're going to build from that. And so we'll see, we'll definitely see them next year. I think they're going to bet very, very big on what they put on their Fridays and what they put on their Sundays to try to change those numbers and get them to be commensurate with what they got on Saturday, and now I think they can see it. Is Kaboo good for San Diego music scene? I don't know yet. Um, I... You know, what's the difference with Aerosmith playing at Petco versus playing at Kabo? What's the uh, where's the the 30 supporting acts? What where's the cultural difference, you know, that that, that those shows are going to make? And they do put 30 supporting acts on, but to what end? What are they what are they doing for the community? Is it like going to an extension college of what everything on the cutting edge of music is supposed to be about like when you go to Coachella when you leave uh, any year of Coachella that you go you have um, such a basis for new information of where music is going that it's, it's an unforgettable experience for you you'll see all new stuff everything that you see on a Kaboo lineup is generally of a familiar nature and it's because of the target audience that they're going for they're going for the belly up audience they want that audience, right? In spades, right? Because they're in North County, San Diego.
1: Now, would you uh, compare a CrossFest in San Diego to a
0: Coachella? As far as the cutting edge, it's cutting edge because I mean, you can't tell me right now what the genre is that Cross is going for. I can't nail it down to one right i don't think anyone can anyone who says that they can would be saying the words but the words wouldn't mean anything to 95 percent of the population thank it's, you johnny Shockey. thank you right for bringing damn good music to san diego yeah it's good stuff yeah thank you but um you know it's all good stuff those guys are on the right those guys are uh on the right path we are going to absolutely see good stuff from both of those festivals going forward. I'm happy for them. And um, they're nowhere near our festival. So we've got all kinds of uh, real estate to play with on our side. And right. I'm going to leave it at that. Hey, go have a kid. Uh